Money Rules or Money Rules. Here at Hold My Wealth, we are all about empowering financial success in our community of listeners. We hope you find today's topic both informative and helpful. Hi, and welcome back to the Hold My Wealth podcast, Money Rules, Money Rules. I'm your host, Stephen Logan, and with me as always is Hamish Ferguson. Hamish, thank you for coming. Not a problem. And today we have our special guest is Matilda Brass. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Tilly, um, you know, we've got a little bit of a different night tonight because, as we were talking about before, uh, a lot of our guests have probably um, been a little bit older than yourself, all right? So, um, but um, we really thought that tonight it would be great to have somebody that's got a little bit more youth that is actually closer to probably a lot of the people's age that we're actually talking to. And, and I've really enjoyed watching your career so far. Um, so a little bit about Tilly. We um, met in 2019 towards the end of your double degree. Is that right? What, what were your majors again? I did business and finance. So I majored in innovation entrepreneurship and also finance was the major. Mm -hmm. Commerce was the other degree. Yep. And then towards the end of that, you came to us as an intern, finishing up your degree, worked with us for uh, probably only about six months. Is that right? Uh, Yes. And then moved on with a graduate program with Commonwealth Bank. Correct. Yep. And currently you're working in their property development area. Is that right? Yes. So I'm a financial analyst and I specialise in property development and investment. Mm, okay. And you've worked in a different, couple of different areas of the bank? Yes. On the graduate program, I did get to rotate around various different areas, which was amazing to see all the different areas and how large the bank is. You mm-hmm. see it's large, but internally massive. Mm. So look, we've started talking about this a little bit already, but um, I guess um, tell us a little bit about your financial journey so far, a little bit about your background, family, um, your relationship with money, you know, possibly before you were at uni and leading into uni and into now. Yeah. So I think um, what I wanted to start by saying is I I don't really know where it came from, but I always was very organised with my money, very in control of my money. Um, I didn't really know as a child my parents' financial position or how they controlled their finances or anything like that. It was only later in my life as I delved into the financial world that I became aware of their situation. But they always made comment to how well I paid back anything that I'd borrowed, for example, bought a magazine or gone down to the shops bought lollies. I was always very good at saving. It just kind of had that innate nature to save um, and that has obviously evolved into my adult life um, as well. Um, I also then bringing that into the school world, I guess going back there, mm-hmm. um, I was always quite good at maths. Um, it just kind of was a strong point for me um, and that obviously helped my interest in maths doing good at it so you kind of want to keep going Um, but I was always frustrated as well in maths class how little they taught you about the world and the real world of finance and I do um, remember one um, example that we did in class was how to buy your first car so I find that a very worldly example and actually made sense in Mm. the real world once you get out of school and I really appreciated that exercise and I believe school should do that Mm. more Um, So that always frustrated me a bit. Um, And as I did mention earlier, I can't really go on without recognising my privilege that that was a topic at school, buying your first car, that I do have that privilege to have been able to, like, borrow off my parents, even if it was a couple of dollars for a magazine. (laughs) I do come from a privileged background, so I have to acknowledge that. Um, 
But in saying that as well, carried on from having good control. I was good at saving then into my teenage life and my adult life. Um, I naturally sorted my money into the buckets Mm -hmm. that Mm. everybody talks about and everybody gets that um, general advice, Mm -hmm. I would say, um, to go into buckets, have the rainy day bucket, the savings bucket, the travel bucket, the everyday spend bucket. I naturally just had that, um, so that was good, and I always wanted to save and I always wanted to check on my finance to see how they were going. And I always had big goals as well, which um, really helped with those buckets and to sort the buckets as well into goals. For example, travels, um, trips, and I was speaking about house and different investments and everything like that. Um, for me, it actually turned a little bit problematic um, with how intense I was mm-hmm. watching my money. Um, I would check my accounts every day and not that I was – Um, in a poor financial situation or stressed about the actual finances but the amount I was overthinking it and overlooking into it became an issue and that was picked up by someone quite close to me and um, I started to chill a bit more as I feel like I'm in a very good place now where I consciously watch it I'm always in control I'm very aware have those big goals and save for them but it's not an overthinking um, pace anymore. I actually knew someone that had a diary and they would carry it with them and they would write down every single thing they spent. So if you're not doing wow. that... No, then, not that far. You know, if you're not that far, then, then, then you're not too bad. Yes, not but that far. I wanted to touch on one of the things you talked about at school because that's something we've brought up here before is that um, there's only so much that, that you can fit into the school curriculum and it's quite hard. And, and you know, when it comes to finances, they do the, the macro really well. You know, like you go and you do economics at school or whatever else and it's about the government and about levers and how things change and, you know, those sort of, you know, larger type things. But the actual how to balance your own books, how to save your own money, how to, you know, buy a car or to um, go and fill out a form for, you know, a, a bank loan or even to understand what the what all the little facets are of that just doesn't really get touched, does it? Totally agree with that. And it was, like I said, a massive frustration for me and understand the curriculum that they need mm. to abide by. But I definitely think across maths and many other subjects I definitely think there could be a lot more worldly experience and like you said yeah where do we even start like yeah. if you do want to start looking at a home loan or a car loan or anything yeah where, where do you even find those yeah. forms mm-hmm. like they don't teach you no and you understand the concept of an interest rate but how does it actually work how does it how can you calculate it how do you do it that that I think people it gets a bit far away from where they are unless they have an actual interest in it themselves and they actually do their own research and study. And that's one of the things where Help My Wealth has come in is that we're trying to provide that financial literacy, you know, at that sort of level that that the average Australian has just has missed and has to learn through life. Yes. So rather than learning through life, actually, you know, get get those basics and get them down there. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with that. School is a miss and mm. appreciate that there are podcasts out there that hopefully people are aware of that can help. I mm. definitely, I think my worldly knowledge started at university. As I said, I chose mm. business and commerce, so very in the financial world. Um, but, yeah, it would be a lot slower for the people that don't choose those subjects mm. and there's many others out there. So mm. the majority would be a lot slower at learning that financial literacy, which is crucial mm. to get through life. So have you worked out where this 
discipline came from yet? Like, you know, when you no. look at your parents a little bit older now, do you go, oh, it's mum or it's dad? Or Dad's definitely, sorry, mum, but <laughs> dad is definitely the financial one. Mum will admit that. He is very good at accounts, but I never had that insight when I was living with them and when I was a child. So I really don't understand where it comes from. I, I guess I would have to say dad, so thanks, mm. dad. Yeah. But, yeah. Look, it's, it's true. Look, I, I've got children. I, I can say there's one one in particular, for instance, who, who has savings accounts and she'll say something like, oh, I don't have any money. And I'll be like, yeah, I know that's not true because <laughs> you've got a really good job and you're really good at saving. And she'll be like, oh, no, 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 it's set aside. Like, okay, so it's set aside. It's not that you don't have money. It's that you know exactly where it is and what it's for and what Absolutely. it's going to be used for in the future. You know? That's me at the moment. I have, I'll probably embarrass myself, but I tell my friends <laughs> that I'm pretending to be broke at the moment because my money's set aside, but I spell it B R O Q U E. Very good. Very good. I think you could start a trend with that. Yeah, yeah. maybe. maybe. <laughs> so you grew up in Sydney, right? Yes. And then you spent your teenage years mainly in the Hunter Valley, is that right? Yeah. yeah. And then moved up to Port Stephens, Shoal Bay, um, for a little while there while you're at uni, and then yep. back to Newcastle, is that right? Yes, that is the heart. And you know, through that journey, did 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 life's um, journey around money did that change much for you? Um, it probably did um, when I recognised the areas that we lived, mm. maybe in that sense. Like, mm-hmm. um, and when I got older and could understand those more macro level topics and mm-hmm. everything. Like looking back, I was born in the northern beaches of Sydney. You look at northern beaches of Sydney now, you're locked out, it's multi-millions, it's mm-hmm. gone crazy. Um, we got out for other reasons mm-hmm. than that. Like that was obviously a parent's decision. I was very young. I left there in year two, but okay. I still pull it home. Um, yeah, and then you look at um, going out to the vineyards, obviously, another quite affluent area around there and getting jobs around, being a teenager there was horrible, Mm. not near the beach. Mm. Um, Yeah, so definitely in that aspect, Mm. um, the networks you have, the schools that you can go to, um, yeah, again, talking to the privilege that I did have for being able to move around like that. Um, And I guess in those moves, probably more around um, the end of my um, Hunter Valley living years, moving into Shoal Bay is probably the ages that was around um, year 10, 11, 12, I probably started to have a bit more of an insight into mm. my um, parents' situation um, and definitely got more insight into what made them move and the financial aspects of moving. And we had a vineyard, so um, selling that vineyard, so that kind of process, I, yeah, I definitely mm. was more aware of it and I definitely was more open to those um, topics, yeah, mm. definitely later teenage years. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So does that mean you're really good at choosing wine at parties? No. One of my best friends is in the wine industry. Shout out to Grace. Um, (laughs) She's incredible. Whenever I go to dinner with her, I'm like, you pick. I'm blind. (laughs) It's great. I wish I could say I was. (laughs) So coming to the end of uni and one of the things that I I remember when we worked together was that, you know, you you actually hadn't even finished uni yet and you bought your first home. Correct. So um, tell us a little bit about that in the terms of if you'd gone back six months earlier, um, did you think that buying a home like that was possible and and where was that sort of moment where you went, oh, okay, I might be able to do this, you know, like does that? Do you remember that time very well? Uh, yeah, I always um, 
finance, like I said, it innately came to me that I, I always wanted to be very sound financially. Um, and I definitely do remember, I think I was around 18 and I wanted a house at 18. Mm. Again, privilege I had. Um, I do distinctly remember someone in the year above me bought a house at 18 and I was blown away. I was like, that needs to be me. So a little bit later, I was 21. I was still at uni. Um, but yeah, definitely had that moment, I suppose, at 18, that this is what I really wanted. I saw it as a great investment. Um, obviously my parents, like with the moves, had bought and sold quite a few places. My auntie and uncle have used property as investments as well. So I had, um, been around it a lot and obviously just physically having somewhere to live like that was my main drive for wanting a home mm-hmm. was my place of residence mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to rent <laughs> so do you remember any stories growing up about your family having investment properties and and you know them complaining about tenants or you know anything <laughs> no, like that no that. okay no it's more no i i get stories now but mm-hmm. it's more the buying and the selling and mm-hmm. the investment and mm-hmm. um the drive behind that and more the numbers behind it rather than yeah i didn't really get tenant mm-hmm. stories or anything like that because one of the things that I quite often reflect on is when people come in and they want to talk about, hey, I want to do this, you know, so and you get this classic conversation, shares versus property. And then when you, if somebody was to say, say, for example, shares, when you, the more you dig in, the more they, they, they usually tell you that that's what they've been around all their life, you know, or they've been around property all their life. Mm. So it becomes this natural decision that oh, I just want, need to follow what they did, you know. So, so there's possibly a little bit in that there for yeah, you. Yeah, I'd probably say that. And I feel like uh, everyone definitely talks to the great Australian dream of having your own home. I feel like, yeah, and more physically, you drive around property mm-hmm. every- all the time you see other people's houses every day wherever mm. you go but yet shares is more that mythical world thing um i'm lucky enough to have both um shares was definitely a later decision and um maybe it seems more risky i definitely saw it as more risky being not present it's mm. not physically there like um home is mm-hmm. um but yeah mm. yeah definitely did grow up with more property than shares. I want to just um, just touch back on on what you said because you sort of um, you know brushed over it a little bit. I think, and you know, you're you're 21 years old and you've purchased your own home. And and for listeners out there, um, you've mentioned a couple of times that you came from a privileged background, so it'd be easy for them to think that uh, you know mum and dad helped you out. So I want to ask you, you know, that question: Did mum and dad help you out, or did you and your partner do it, you know, yourselves? No, so we had no help from family apart from yep. obviously support, support in, in yes. the research. Um, but no financial, yeah, no financial support. support. We we did do it all on our own, and it just goes back to having those big dreams, big goals, um, big savings accounts, like having those dedicated. So, what was the deposit account. you had to have? By that age, at age twenty-one, to be able to do this. Oh, I'm I'm very good at finance, but memory not so much. <laughs> um, I'd say it. Close to sixty thousand, yep. I'm thinking. Yep. So uh, you know, you had to, you know, sort of say that between the two of you. Yes. How, yeah. how did you achieve that? You know, in in that time between when you started working to when you were 21 at uni and, and doing all that. I mean, I'm assuming you had a job. Yes, I had a job. <laughs> yes, at the time I was working in hospitality, as most yes. people do start. I think again, going back to that innate nature, I always had a savings account. Yep. While I am here saying have goals for those savings account I just always had a savings account um, I'd always be putting money even if there wasn't a goal towards it mm-hmm. and then obviously like I said at that age 18 um, I knew I really wanted to buy a house and 
Um, I just kept putting away savings. I was never too strict on myself. I still wanted to live my life, do things with my friends, go on trips, etc. Um, but yeah, definitely having the savings account. And then my partner at the time, it was ended up being a goal for the both of us. And that obviously helped a great deal having two incomes. Um, definitely, obviously just helps a lot more. Mm. Um, but yeah, just consistently savings. Um, and like how we did discuss before the re- um, recording started that you can do it all again, privilege, but I, um, mentioned previously, I did travel before, um, within the six months before actually purchasing a home. So I moved abroad for five months. And at the start of that, I did three weeks around Europe, which costs in the very expensive, almost $20,000 in three Mm. weeks. So, um, there was a lot of savings and there was a lot of buckets like travel and then my moving abroad piece and then the house piece as well. So Mm. having those dedicated savings and making sure money was flowing in there. So what did your friends say to you? So obviously you've got other friends that are 21, 22, you know, 20, um, all of a sudden you purchase a house, they're looking at their savings account, which has, you know, got four or $500 in it if they're lucky. Um, what, what was their comment to you? Did they sort of, you know, not, not understand how you could have achieved that? Yeah. Um, everyone was shocked in a good way, like not yeah. shocked, like, oh, how could you do it? Mm. There were more. And I actually found it actually made me a little bit upset because a lot of people got very disappointed in themselves after seeing what me and my partner at the time had done together. And a lot of couples, you know, we had a lot of couple friends that had been together in a similar time frame and everything, and they hadn't got that far yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it did make me a bit upset because people, yeah, were disappointed in themselves, but it gave them the hunger to want to go and do mm. that. And now most of my friends that were around at that time have their own property or have purchased off the plan or landed house and land package. So it definitely drove the friends. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a key, and Hamish and I have talked about that before, is that um, once you know that it's possible, then all of a sudden you can achieve it. Absolutely. It's it's odd, isn't it? You know, like, um, you know, when I first sat down when I was young and the idea of buying a house, you know, I sat down with a, with a mortgage broker, happened to be Hamish. Uh, <laughs> he, was, he was also young at that time. <laughs> And, uh, and he was very new, new in the game at that time. It was I think it might have even been your first year that you were that wow. you were doing doing more great yeah. But to actually sit there and go, okay, there's going to be a bit of pain to achieve this. There's going to have to be a lot of sacrifice, a lot of extra shifts, a lot of extra work for both myself and my partner. But to actually go, oh, hang on, this is possible. Do you know? Uh, and then, then it can be achieved. Yeah. I know? think um, touching on that, I probably should give credit to Hamish and the team because I did go through Hamish and the team. And even I actually tell a lot of my friends that, like I said, since we bought, they had the hunger as well. Mm. Going to see a mortgage broker for that reason mm. in itself to show you are able to do this yep. is inc- incredible. And to, I don't know, some people, yeah, just have this, perception that it's really hard the banks are never going to accept me or yes. I'm not sure but there's more option than the big four banks mm. and 100%. the mortgage broker can absolutely help um tailor things to your scenario and find all the buffers that you need or the grants that you're accessible for yep. certain income that you're allowed to include not allowed to include yep. so the knowledge we were talking about the knowledge before having the knowledge um to drive that um, really just unlocks it. And I think it is a scary step to actually ask for the help to acknowledge 
okay, this is a goal of mine. People get scared, I suppose, of big yep. goals, but write it down or I, something. I like, think they're also a little bit embarrassed that someone's going to go, no. True. Not, not you. <laughs> you can't <laughs> do it. Sorry. Sorry. Next. Um, but like, you know, to, to, for instance, it, it's amazing how often you get someone like a mortgage broker or a professional in and they say to you, right, get rid of that credit card. Can you increase your income by an extra, you know, between you, $10,000 a year? So when it comes to this financial year, I want to see, you know, this amount of money. If you can do those two things, we can do this. Absolutely. And I all think, of a sudden you're like, I, 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 can, I can do that. That's, po- that's possible. It's actually able to be done. Yeah, I like how you broke it down there as well. Mm. Like breaking it down is good. You look at the price of a house and people just go, oh, no, never. Yeah. Mm. But, if, yeah, if you do break it down into you need to work an extra day, or like if it's in hospitality, you need yeah. to pick up that overtime shift once a week yeah. and then you're there. Like, 100%. yeah, so breaking it down and having someone with the knowledge to pass mm. that on is yeah, so powerful. Even I had a, a young couple that I know recently who are about to purchase their home. They're in, in negotiating at the moment and the interest rates are scaring them because they're going up and they're going up and they're, you know, talking talking to their mortgage broker and they're reevaluating how much, how much it's going to be to pay back. And my comment to him was, he's a teacher. And I said, okay, so you can't change your teaching wage, but you could definitely go and do tutoring. You know, how, how long could you tutor for? Could you tutor for, you know, if interest rates stay high for the next year, could you tutor for the next year? So many, you know, people per week, per month, per whatever. And all of a sudden he went, no, I can do that. So, okay, so it's not an issue. When interest rates come down, you can then decide I'm going to stop tutoring and have some more free time or I'm going to keep doing it and actually use that money to save or to pay the house off or to do whatever they want to do. But Get next, maybe. Th- that's right. Go, <laughs> go for an investment property or something else. So, you know, I think that's the key, isn't it? It's getting the knowledge. And for your friends, having you as, a, as an example, uh, which I can see you shy away from almost as I, as I say that, <laughs> but having you as an example, you and your partner go, okay, that's possible. I can do that. We can, we can achieve that too. Yeah, absolutely. Know? And I think on the point as well, I know we're speaking about interest rates before people do get scared, but um, there's so many options out there as well. You might not be able to get your dream home mm. as your first home. You might, yeah, see a mortgage broker and um, figure it out that maybe all you can do is get a investment property past Musselbrook or something and, yeah. like, gets you in the game and then, then you're in the, the equity game pending the market going mm. back up. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think just getting in the market is an amazing step and then yet knowing it doesn't have to be perfect the first time and you might not even live in it and that might not have been something you wanted to think about previously but a mortgage broker's brought that to your opinion just to get in the game knowing down the track Mm -hmm. you can and on interest rates as well the banks won't give you a loan if you can't service it so Mm -hmm. if you're scared you're not going to be able to afford it they well they shouldn't no Mm -hmm. one should be giving you a loan knowing you can't afford it that's against whatever the rules are mm. um and they put buffers on it as mm. well so when you try and service it, and you should put buffers on your own your own income your your savings have the buffers there and if you do your own little calculation so mm. yeah i think it's yes it seems scary at the moment the interest rates um but as we were discussing before it all ebbs and flows it comes out in the wash um definitely see someone with the knowledge that that can make you comfortable with that. Mm. It is a big decision, but, Mm. yeah, knowledge gives you power and comfort Mm. and 
leverage, I mm. suppose. Mm. And if I go back and put on my, you know, my property investor hat, um, I've had a couple now of, of people from Sydney who were younger and they wanted to buy their house and they were like, I can't afford to buy in Sydney, like anywhere in Sydney. Absolutely. Forget about going out west. I just can't buy in Sydney, you know. Um, and, the, and the more I try and save, uh, the faster the houses are going up and all of a sudden my savings is no longer even the deposit that I, that I require. And so for them, we're actually able to put them into an investment property outside of Sydney, like in, in Brisbane or in Perth or in somewhere else, where they can actually get into the market Um and allow their equity to grow so when they are ready to buy the house in Sydney, they can they can do it. You know? Absolutely, yeah. I'm totally all for that. It is a bit scary going off the plan you thought you'd mm. be at, but it might take a little bit longer to get there. But, yeah, my opinion is getting in the game as fast mm. as you can is the best way to go. Mm. So I'm going to go off script, script a little bit here, Tilly. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> um, you know, during that time when you were – at uni, trying to save, be disciplined. There must have been times, though, where you had to say no to things. Yeah, I'm probably experiencing that more now than mm. back in that period. Um, I guess to explain that now I've since sold said property that we're discussing this purchase and now I'm planning for a potentially two-year stint overseas and I have also secured a apartment off the plan and that's more what I've actually had to realise now is it's okay to so say no, it's okay to not be, I'm a big people pleaser mm. and to have that discipline again, like outside of money potentially and, yeah, say no to the friends, say no to things you genuinely don't want to do but you go and spend your time, mm. potentially money and effort and, yeah, definitely saying no to that cocktail is very hard mm. but, yeah, absolutely you've got so, to say no. So how have you developed that I call it that resilience or that, that ability to say no. What's yeah. that? What goes on in your head when you're trying to do those things? I actually think um, it doesn't come from a financial place. It's definitely I have um, had a lot of growth in the past six to 12 months mm -hmm. and it actually comes, I suppose, from the self-confidence, um, not caring what other people think mm -hmm. as much, not being that people pleaser and at the end of the day, you're in this life for you. You're in this for your happiness to an extent. Like I try, I feel like I am a kind person and I feel like people need to be treated with kindness. There needs to be a lot more kindness in the world. But if you've got that base level of kindness um, and you know you're doing the right thing, you're not doing anything wrong, I think the confidence to stand up for yourself and say no to things and knowing if a certain situation is going to drain you, don't go. Mm. So I think it comes a lot more, I guess, healing the mind and being confident in yourself and the divine timing of the world mm. and everything. So it's definitely more a woo-woo topic is probably where it's come from. A woo-woo woo topic. Yeah, it's a, bit, it's a bit up there and spiritual. I don't know. People get a bit, yeah, people get a bit funny going into that kind of topic, but that's for me that's generally where it's come from, having a bit more confidence in myself to say no and to stand up for myself. I've done a lot more of that recently and I guess it goes back to the discipline. I had it in finance. I didn't have it emotionally and it's, it's coming through emotionally now. Yeah, look, and thanks for your honesty. Yeah, right. absolutely. So, um, so one of the things that, you know, um, we've found is just that it seems like financial literacy is dropping 
All right. So, yeah. and uh, and so uh, you know, as somebody in their mid twenties, um, you know, have you got any sort of thoughts about what's going on there and why possibly this is happening? I think it probably goes towards things we've already touched on mm-hmm. the school system. Mm-hmm. I find not to completely shred the school system. There are great things about school. I definitely think there's a lot more the school system can do, um, giving people the confidence with finance. I know, um, well, Combank as well, they, they go into schools and they have back in the Dolomite days and everything like that. So there are things being done probably at that at child's level, probably more now that I'm thinking about it. And then when it really becomes meaningful when you need to start having your own money, mm. you start getting your licence mm. and wanting a car and mm. then it moves to a house. Um, yeah. There probably isn't that knowledge there and it, I think it does start with the school system. And then as we discussed um, earlier, for me, progressing through university and progressing up the age ladder, I went into the financial world. So I was definitely more open to it and it was coming at me, I guess, even if I wasn't open to it because I'd chosen that path. So I feel like that expedited my knowledge, whereas someone that's you know gone into the creative world or, or teaching, they might not have um, that knowledge. So, yeah, I think definitely school. Um, and then I feel like at my age there's probably limited experience. Not everyone is in my situation and has been able to have you know those examples of a car of buying a house buying shares like not everyone has had that experience yet and I guess like how you mentioned your guests are normally of the older demographic and more likely to have had the time and the money and the effort to have put into those um, strategies and those successes whereas at my age majority probably haven't got a house or anything Mm -hmm. so we simply haven't had that experience or needed to have that literacy to get there. Mm. And I think that's actually key is experience and that's what we've got to understand. So when, you know, when they do research on literacy, they always find that people that are older have have a, have a, a greater literacy, you know, per capita on average. And I think it, it isn't because people that are older are smarter than people that are, you know, in their 20s. It's that they literally have purchased a house. They literally have purchased a car. Maybe they've done a lease with a car maybe they've done different things and so they've actually learned through that experience yeah. um and, and and that's the thing that's that's hard you, you've got a choice now you can either learn through experience and wait till you get to 50 and then have a good idea of some of these things or you can actually get out there yourself and 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 actually start to give yourself some knowledge do you know yeah. i think it's also a little bit of it that we're living in a world now which, which is very fast paced and you know, do you do you think, Hamish, that finances and the financial world is getting more complicated as, as we go on? So it's actually almost more important that you spend some time investing yourself in that. And I would think that's not just in finances, that's in that's in everything. I mean, even if you go something like like art, do you know what I mean? If you went to university and you wanted to be more creative, um, 30 years ago it was you and a pottery world and, and, and painting, whereas now there's that whole digital media side of things, which is very in-depth and, and you know, quite hard to understand and quite hard to learn and quite hard to go through. I think it's sort of like that in, in every subject and every facet as, as time goes on as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to probably come back with something a little bit different here. I mean, I, th- I think... You, you know, disagree with me. Well, <laughs> to me, it's it's that there's a lot more um, competition for your headspace. Totally, yes. Right. So, and, yes. you know, if I think of just, you know, forgive me, Tilly, when I start sounding like a parent here, but, you know, when you think of, you know, the, the 20 years ago or, you know, when we were growing up, you know, there was this whole, well, you could either go and run out 
and play outside or you could read or mm. you could watch TV, all right? Mm. Um, so we didn't have... You could watch what was on TV. The internet. At that time. Yeah, that's and that right. Was it. That's it. You, you know, know what I mean? So we didn't have, you know, the internet, yeah. all right? And so all of a sudden you, this internet's evolved where, you know, uh, now we've gone from just you know, even thinking about how much time do we spend on a device each week right, sure. of, of some context and how much of that time are we putting into developing ourselves from a finances point of view? Mm, or any point of view. Right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you, you get into this concept of, well, did the, did, as the generations change, is there the same level of confidence that we can do these things? You know, so uh, it, 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 and I don't know necessarily what the answer is here, but my, my guess is that there's probably less confidence. People are probably thinking less about the future today than what maybe they did 30 or 40 years ago. Mm. And so, you know, and I don't think that's changed overnight. I think it's been a gradual thing where, you know, it's just slowly changed. We wake up and, and, and again, one of the sometimes you can see in the media or you, you hear about the youth not um, having this confidence of where the future lies, you know, whether it's from an environment point of view or whether it's from a, a government point of view or whatever the it happens finances. to be. Yeah. I mean, would you would you agree with any of that? Or? I would absolutely agree. I really like the phrase you started with, the competition for the headspace. Mm. It does. It's almost like the noise gets too much and then mm. you can't think about the future because there's so many things in the present, I suppose. And like you said, even if it's arts or if it's finance, like there are so many people with their own opinions coming in and it's hard, I suppose, to filter through all of that information. It's more like it's more bite-sized information, I suppose, mm-hmm. than like you said previously when you did sit down to go and watch TV, it'd be that one channel, but now you have to flick through oh, no, there was, Netflix. There was three. Three, three, yeah. three channels. <laughs> now you have to flick through so many services yeah. and then there's TV to- shows and movies. Totally. And totally. There's too much. Yeah, yeah, it probably is that brain fog mm-hmm. for being too much. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I often say it's a bit like, I, I know COVID sort of, you know, stopped this a little bit, but it's back in the day we had buffets, you know, you go to a restaurant and there'd just be food everywhere and you could choose it. How often did you see someone standing there looking? Oh, that's me. Yeah, they're like, they're like, I just too much. I don't which, which one am I going to go through first? I don't. I don't. They're all good. Definitely. And I think that's part of the issue is that we just have this smorgasbord of information, uh, and none of it's really bad in its own. Absolutely. You know, thing. Um, I mean, if you only eat honey chicken for the whole night, maybe it's not going to be good for you. In the same way, if you only do TikTok for, you know, three months, it's maybe, maybe not going to be good for you. But it, it is that. It's, a, it's that overloading of information and it's that overloading of, of, of what the options are. Yeah. Um, it's almost that, um, you know, paralysis type thing where you've just got too much information to be able to make a decision. Agree. And it's kind of hard to snap out of that, but mm. definitely you need to snap out of that paralysis mm. and be very intentful because on the other end of that is I think if you are very intentful in what you're looking for and what you are absorbing, podcasts like this can absolutely help you so much. Mm. So and I guess even in that sense, there's so many people doing podcasts now. So you've just really got to be meaningful in who you're selecting and who you're listening to and I am guilty of scrolling on TikTok, but you do need to just snap out and go, TikTok no, no, no. TikTok was I made actually, for me. I'm terrible. Oh, I'm so bad. <laughs> it is good in a sense, but sometimes I sit there aimlessly scrolling. Oh. You need to snap and then 
go and find what you came on yeah. there for. Or... Fifteen second memory, just oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's good. It's good. It's actually <laughs> probably very bad. I already have a bad memory, but yeah. yeah, definitely agree. The competition for the headspace is yeah. insane, but I guess and, it's your level of effort to snap out. Something you brought up there is really important. So I know when I went to university, um, and you wanted to read a research, uh, you would you would look at the journal that you were reading, and that is how you made the decision as to whether it was a good or a bad research. You could then look at the statistics of the research and how many people were involved and, you know, what the P-values and so forth. But really you're looking at the journal and going, is that a, a reputable journal to be able to use? Whereas now I remember my son came to me and goes, how do I know which information on the internet is is good, That's true. is is reputable, is is whatever, because, yeah. you know, it is getting even harder and harder to go, is this a good podcast? Is this a good website? Is this information correct? Mm. Or is this guy just sprouting something that he just doesn't, doesn't even know and it just sounds really good because he's so excited about what he's talking about and you get, you know, caught up in, caught up in the excitement yeah. and before you know it, you've bought four toasters <laughs> and you don't even, didn't even want a toaster, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, agree. It's, it is really hard to do that. It's a whole new universe compared to 30 years ago where you had three channels, ride your bike outside, go for a run or tease your sister, you know, like like <laughs> that. That it, it's a very different environment and I think that is part of it is we just have so much information now. Um, you're right, you just have to snap out of it. Yes. And um, I think that's one of the, one of the um, themes a little bit about tonight is um, it's interesting the way you talk because uh, – so so often people are looking for the fast, easy road to buying a house. Yeah. Uh, whereas you're saying, no, 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 I, I saved. I had buckets and I yep. put money in that bucket and that was my house bucket. Absolutely. And I didn't go buying a car with that bucket and I didn't go overseas with that bucket. My 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 travel bucket was a different one. Yes. Yep. And so therefore, it's, that's, but that's a hard thing to do. It's a hard concept. You know, in the yep. same way, it's easy to sit and scroll through TikTok. It's hard to go, stop, I need to look at something that's yep. actually going to be beneficial to me. Definitely mm. hard. Would absolutely agree with that. Mm. Um, I can go to everything having, yeah, been mm. really meaningful and potentially slowing down in this fast-paced environment mm. and making sure your decisions uh, impactful where they need to be. So, um, so far in your long life, all right, so, <laughs> so have you had any people that you've looked up to in the past? Like where, if you've gone, if you've needed advice, where have you gone to? I um, noted that question on the script and I feel like I probably, I don't have um, people that, you know, I, guess I think of like celebrities or mm. something or someone famous or famous Australian, I don't really have that. I probably should add to that and have that. I guess it's more family. Like obviously I've, mm. I've often gone to my dad for practical things like car things and everything. Um, I mentioned my auntie and uncle before. I've gone for them for help, um, my network of friends and everything like that. Um, it's more I look up to, I guess, everyone probably um, they put on their best foot forward so it's probably hard to depict um what i'm going to say but the people that are just really financially sound um and not having to sacrifice other areas of their life to be sound i just really want to be comfortable in this life um financially and that also being backed um physically emotionally mentally everything so that's what the people that 
Yeah, that are just really financially sound. I, I do like nice things mm. and pretty things, so I want to have all those things. And I know I, in some sense, am quite material, um, but I'm proud of that, that I can strive for those to have those big dreams and um, take on that. So it's more the place and the mindset rather than the person. So I'm going to go one step further here, okay. all right, and that is so you talked a little bit about the last 6 or 12 months and the growth that you've been on yeah. and, you know, developing your own sense of confidence. So so where did that come from? Where was your go-to to go on that journey where you sort of obviously at a point you went, okay, I need to work on something here. Yeah. Um, so was it friends, family? Yeah. Um, being very vulnerable, it was a breakup. Right. And that led me... To be okay on my own again, I, I thought I am a very independent person, um, but it took that to make me realise I thought I was independent, but I really needed to look in and mm. be comfortable within. Um, and it did go, friends and family, of course, they were majorly there for support, but I sought external help from a psychologist and Again, I guess it goes to that the power of knowledge piece. Mm. Like, mm. And I, I'm more than happy to talk about it because I think people do need to be more vulnerable and I've even learned it myself to be more vulnerable. But the knowledge piece, you go to a mortgage broker because you need help with a home loan, you need help mentally or emotionally, source that knowledge. Mm. You, you don't have to do it all yourself. Mm. You can absolutely source the knowledge. So it's definitely come from that Um my psychologist has recommended books and like just really learning about self-confidence and, and being happy within. So yeah, a lot of that's come mm. from healing journey and confidence journey and yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Mm. It's really good. Mm. Excellent. No, no. And look, I think that's the, the point that we're trying to also emphasize is that it's, hard to do it on your own yeah, and it's almost I would almost go as far as saying it's wrong to try and do it on your own yeah and I think how I just touched on my independence I probably do try and do a lot on my own and in this last six to 12 months I have opened and touched into my vulnerable side and have sought help mm. it's okay to not be okay it doesn't mean you're forever not okay and Absolutely, it's a, it's a good yeah. line. I think somebody should use it. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that before. <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, to source that help and to let people know you're not okay and you need that support extra on that day. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. And it goes to the day-to-day -day things and then to the bigger things like buying a house. Mm. So. Yeah, well, one absolutely. of the things we've realised is that, and, and it's part of this, call it this financial literacy that we're working on, is that you've talked a little bit about, you know, the, the maths of money. Yeah. All right. So, and, you know, and I can sort of tell underneath that, that obviously there's this been this journey that you've been on. But, you know, one of the things that we've really, you know, want to empower people with is the psychology of money. All right. Yes. So it's it's understanding your biases and how you make decisions and mm. your journey growing up and how you approach life. All right. And, yeah. you know, and whether you're the person that says money's just not important at all, there's a journey behind that. Yep. Right. Okay. And then the person that says, no, 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 money is really important, there's a journey behind that as well. And quite often it, it takes time for us to realise that, oh, oh, there's a reason why I behave this way, right? So, and I think the, the quicker you can understand those reasons, the quicker you can actually really own, uh, you know, what that journey is, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And having someone to even bring that to your attention mm. is incredible. And I know on the script it was... 
something about money being um, happiness, Mm -hmm. my mum would be so mad at me. I've always said money does bring me happiness. (laughs) She's always said, no, it's not about that. But I truly, like, I think that's where part of my journey is it brings me comfort. As I mentioned, I want to be comfortable. I don't want this life to be super hard and financially strained. And I think I wrote that in my notes that it, um, it does bring happiness, not in the sense that, oh, I'm rich, I, I'm happy. It's mm-hmm. what it can bring you, what it can buy you, like the experiences. Like I recently bought a gift for someone and I got so happy of, of giving someone that gift. Like, so I think the comfort and the stability that money can buy you is what I look for. I, that, that's absolutely part of my journey. I want mm-hmm. to be comfortable and money can bring me mm-hmm. that, which does doesn't equal happiness but it can work towards happiness Mm. i think it's that idea that you know um we need to move away from this idea that you want money and start looking behind that to say no i want security absolutely you know i want to be comfortable i I don't want to be stressing about can i afford to pay the rent yeah Uh, can i afford to pay school fees can i afford to fill my car with petrol you know, can I afford, and, and that that's what you're actually talking about. It's not about the the dollars. It's actually yeah. about do I feel happy and secure in, in where I am? And, um, you know, I, I think that's about choices as well, making those hard decisions and saying, for instance, I'm really okay with the house that I have. I don't need to go and buy a house that's worth, you know, $300,000 more that's four metres closer to the beach. <laughs> You know what I mean? really stretch you there. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm really happy to buy this car rather than this car because I'm actually going to be saving myself $20,000 or, or whatever. Yeah. Or I want to go overseas on a holiday, but how about I go to Bali rather than Europe? Absolutely. You know, I'll leave Europe for five years or ten years later. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's making those choices and being comfortable with with that and i never forget my father actually saying to me um when i was when i was young and i was looking to i had a car and i'd finally paid it off and then i was looking to buy another car and he was like well, why are you buying another car your car's fine and i was like no 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 it's old and i don't like it and i wanted i wanted, I wanted a nice flashy you know newer car and i didn't take his advice i actually went and bought the the more expensive car but the pressure that that put me under as a 24 20 five year old person um was a lot and my my ended up being that paying that off over that next period of time was was actually it, it took so much joy out of my life because I made a decision to buy something that I could afford but therefore then I now couldn't afford other things yeah do you know absolutely. so so it is about making those hard decisions and going hang on if what I want is comfort if what I want is security if what I want is not to feel pressured to make these repayments then let's purchase the things that are within our current um ability yeah I absolutely agree with that sentiment I think also going to that as well goes back to early conversations about savings and I've set up my savings, for example, like with bills. I pay into bills every, like my bills account, every time I get paid so that when a bill comes, I don't even think, I don't even blink. It mm. goes out. Like, And so I think, yeah, you're right, finding where that's come from and why and then it kind of does pro- probably empowers you more to make mm. those right choices when you really do, like you said, get to the crux of what you're in this for 
does empower you. It probably makes it a bit easier, but yeah, the yeah. choice is hard. Look, I recall uh, I was about 30 years old around that, or maybe a bit younger, maybe 28, when someone first brought that idea to my mind of having an account that's for your direct debits. Yep. Just a direct debit account, work out how much money needs to be in there per month, and that's what you put into it every single month and actually have a month's worth ahead so, you know, the money that's in there is for next month, not for this month, yeah. do you know what I mean? So you're always ahead. And it took me quite a few months to save up enough to do it. But the stress that it took away from me, the anxiety that it took away from me, when all of a sudden I never had bills. I had spent so many years um, trying to find money to pay the electricity, pay the phone, to pay this, to pay that. And then all of a sudden, just by literally creating an account that has a month's worth of bills ahead of time so at any one time you could have two months worth of savings in there for the bills or a month and a half depending where you're up to but that actually just revolutionized my own anxiety and stress towards money yeah i was the exact same and yeah definitely vouch for going even further and going ahead again mm. and setting that up absolutely mm. yeah well you're more disciplined you probably have three months in there don't you no not at, not at the moment <laughs> i wish i did it builds out my priority at the moment so yeah. Yeah. but yeah it's still there the account's still there yeah. yeah but even that whole thing of um if you get paid weekly or fortnightly or monthly or whatever however you get paid you know having if you've got a bill that is a, a yearly bill you know having that money in there so you know a car is a great example you know a car might cost you two grand a year for Rego insurance um, and and doing bits and pieces, you know. So how much is that a month? Yeah, that's exactly you what know? I do. And, Put it in. And it goes in there. And yeah. so when the car wheel blows up, you're like, oh, hang on, that's right here. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And even the, regardless of the financial stress of it as well, the time, if you have to physically get a bill and then physically pay it, that's time. Mm. I don't have time to do that. Mm. So it's direct debited if or like outsource the knowledge if you don't know how to set up a direct debit, get someone to help you and teach you, but direct debit, I'm all for it. Mm. <laughs> mm. So one of the things around money, obviously we, we, there's our expenses and how we manage things, all right, so, but then there's also, okay, how do we earn money and our career? Right, so, again, I guess thinking about this question in the sense of, okay, so you've been on this career and, and you know, and, and obviously you're about to embark on a new journey overseas for a little while. Um, but, you know, talk us through, I guess, your experiences so far, basically from a career point of view, how you found, you know, work so far and thinking about what that career looks like, you know, the next step, you know, uh, some of the things that you've come across. But also uh, I'm, I'm actually really interested to hear about that from your perspective as a, as a young lady as well yeah. in terms of how you see the world and maybe some of the challenges you've had. Yeah, I definitely think um, so obviously I guess delving into how it all started was uni and there was that one course, I forget the name, but you said it's becoming compulsory now, mm. which is amazing, to get real-life experience. We'll call it an internship. Yeah. Internship. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I obviously was privileged enough and grateful to have the internship um, here with Vision Property and Finance and obviously that delved into the mortgage-breaking side as well. So that's where it started for me. That 
I give credits to that being my first corporate world experience. Um, oh, my gosh, corporate world. Yeah, literally. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah, so it was great um, to start that way and start, I think, slowly as well with an internship. I think that helped and pushed you into it. And then obviously it ramped up. As you mentioned, I went to the graduate program with um, CBA and then took a full-time, well, the graduate program was full-time, but then got secured a full-time position outside of the graduate program. Um, I think the challenge for me, I guess, like you said, being a young lady in this world, not necessarily lady, just being young, Mm -hmm. I was always quite scared of the corporate world and not scared of um, adults but scared of having to always have your game face on and, Mm -hmm. you know, always be professional. And, you know, I try and always be professional and present well, but you really just realise the adult world is just a big kid's world. Everyone's still out to have fun. You have so many laughs in the office. Like some of my best friends at work are like 60. Like it's incredible and it's it's crazy to actually take a step back, Well, at least for me in in my office and the culture we have, um, to actually look at that and be like, wow, that, that's incredible. Like you wouldn't in your normal friend circle have that much diversity in age and in all areas of diversity. Like you wouldn't come across those walks of life in your normal friendship groups. So I think breaking down, like, yeah, I was very, I'm not sure I was scared, but definitely, I don't know, I had concerns about coming into the corporate world. I knew it was what I wanted to do. I was going to do it always, but it, it was scary. Um, and I think breaking that down and I want, people out there to know that like yeah with young listeners to know it's not scary take that leap like you can have fun like I have so many laughs at work and it's incredible um yeah so I guess that's that side of it Mm. Um, have you had any times here like because what I I think and, and coming back a little bit to your comment about just earning that little bit of extra money is one of those things is to sort of say okay so how do you get outside your comfort zone a little bit and you know, talk to your boss about what that next role looks like. Yeah. Have you had to do that yet? I've had to, um, yes, yeah. Uh, Definitely, I think, on that note as well, pay negotiation. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big thing. Um, It's very scary Mm -hmm. again. Um, I feel like I guess my sentiment now that I'm thinking is scarier than it seems. At every step I've had to take, it's definitely Mm. scarier than it seems. And, um, again, coming back to knowledge, knowledge is power. Like I had to do I probably had my um pay negotiation was before like career career chat I would say um I guess rolling off the grad program it was kind of destined that you go into the role I am actually well not the property side but more a diversified financial analyst it's kind of just what you did um and I was comfortable with that that's what I wanted to do so I didn't really have to negotiate but Once I was in that role, that was the first role I had to negotiate pay and that was very scary and being young and everything Um, and just research. I researched. I actually researched to the point it said Thursdays are the best day to ask your boss for a raise. (laughs) It was Thursday that I went and asked my boss for a raise. It did. It's unbelievable. And it's, um, yeah, it's negotiating that, obviously very difficult Um, and I think, a few of times in this podcast I've said drink big and I was like there was a certain amount of pay that I was comfortable with um, and there was a certain amount I obviously wasn't comfortable with and um, the amount they offered me was like two grand lower 
than the amount that I would be comfortable with. And I was like, oh, it's pretty petty to go back and negotiate over two grand. So my dad said, why don't you just step it up and ask for the next 10 grand block? And I was like, what if I got to lose? It could just be a no or it could be, you know, back to where I was semi-comfortable with. So I asked for 10 grand more and I got it. So I think the dream big, have the confidence, back yourself with the knowledge as well to go on Thursdays and <laughs> go for it. And I think, so that was pay. And then coming back to friends as well, like obviously we're all the friends that, my closest friends are all around my age demographic. Um, and so we're all going through this together. And so I've passed that story on to friends and it's empowered them to also go up to their boss and be like, hey, I want I want this too. And um, All your friends' bosses are listening to this right now going, ah. We get it. Yeah, I remember that Thursday. <laughs> this is the problem. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But I think um, talking about it, I definitely am a big person, like I've mentioned probably a few times now, I'm a lot more open. I try and always be open, mm. but I'm a lot more open now. I think sharing experience is incredible. It empowers people and sharing knowledge, again, a mm. constant topic. Um, I guess then going into career, that was an easier discussion. Um, definitely, I think even like from here, um, developing from this into CBA, you are so supportive. Like I feel like if you have the right people around you and the it's the right um, culture and workplace and your management, mm. um, people that will support you to develop because at the end of the day it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're wanting it to happen, it will, and your manager should should support you in that. Um, it's definitely a hard conversation, like thinking about leaving. I think um, career development, probably an easier conversation, but in my experience, at um, I have less than a month less left in my current role before I take a career break, which sounds pretty wild at 25. I feel like I've had this meltdown and I need a career break, but no, I'm moving abroad. But that was probably a tougher conversation because I am leaving. So, uh, well, I'm not leaving. I'm not quitting, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> Maybe cut that bit. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. So taking a career break um, was probably more of a difficult discussion because I'm leaving the business unit i'm leaving a gap they then have to resource and the time and all of that and and you've already mentioned you enjoy it my job you, yeah you like yeah. the people you like Absolutely. the unit you like yeah you know, it's not like you're going so glad i'm out of this place exactly yeah you know? so it was, in that sense absolutely a very hard decision mm. to make um at the end of the day it uh, with the emotional journey comes to putting yourself first yeah. and i know i could stay in the job i'm in now comfortable i like it there is still development where I am now, but I think going overseas lifestyle, but also career-wise, it's just going to expedite mm. the process is where I see it for myself. So putting myself first, knowing that this is something I need to do um, and if they don't support me, that's not the business for me. Okay, can I give you a line possibly to use next time okay. somebody asks? It's just, a, look, you know I'm a really organised person. I'm just getting my midlife crisis out of the way. Though. <laughs> I think a point that you touched on, which I think is really important. And, I, and I've talked to um, many of the people that I've, that I've mentored and, and coached with over the years that, uh, and even friends and, and family as well, putting yourself out there and saying what you want is really important because 
Um, you know, I recall someone who was a teacher and I could see that they're, they're going to make an amazing head teacher, an amazing deputy principal, an amazing principal, do you know? So, so I said to that person, have you, like, actually put yourself out there and told your boss what you're wanting? Uh, and they're like, oh, I mean, I think they know. Now, but have you actually told them, you know? And it's funny, as soon as they've done that, um, next thing he knows, um, he was in having an interview with the principal to discuss his career progression. Then he was having an interview with the, you know, the head of the, because I had a few schools, the head of that to discuss where he's going to be going. Uh, next thing he knows, um, there's a position coming up at another school and they've, they've said you should put your hat in the ring for that. Incredible. So, and it's, his skill hadn't changed, his um, education hadn't changed, his, you know, what he was doing in the class hadn't changed. All that had changed is that he had said to people above him, uh, I, I want to go this direction. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we agree. You'd be good at that. And so therefore things started to change and happen. And I think that's really important. If you don't put yourself forward, be it for a pay rise or be it for a career change or be it for a, you know, to, to segue to something slightly different in the business, it's not actually going to occur. Absolutely. I definitely agree and back all of that 100%. Mm. And what I had to tell myself, I guess going back to the sentiment of it, thinking it's scarier than it really is, mm. the worst that can happen is they say no. Totally. And then you're fine. You move on. You either stay where you're comfortable, like, or if that no is too much for you, then you go find another Mm. route. Like, I guess, again, that is a privileged path to take. But, yeah, the worst, you've got to ask. There's no harm in asking. And I think it's even, we, we have development plans, so I think that's great. And I think also something I did note down, uh, I did some development training ones, and I can't remember the four, but it had, had four pillars of people to have behind you and it was like a, a like a hype person a coach a mentor and someone to give you that crucial but challenging feedback mm-hmm. I think like you said you were clearly played a pillar in that person's life to say go and do it mm-hmm. I think again going to that sentiment of you can't do it all alone having someone in your corner is incredible mm-hmm. and empowering and they see things that you don't necessarily see in yourself because well, if you think of that example I didn't change his skill level. I didn't change his knowledge. I didn't change what he was doing on a day-to-day basis at work. It was just that going, that encouragement to go, no, you you should do that. Yeah. That's a really good idea. And you should you should actually speak it out and then and then start moving that direction. Yeah. I also um, think for yourself in that situation, it's good kudos to you as well. You're you're paying that forward. You've helped someone in their life. Like mm. that's incredible. And it feels really good for someone to recognise that without asking, like mm. for the person you've gone and helped and then for you, you've you've done this great deed. Like I think mm. both parties, it's mm. amazing. Yeah. I think to add to that though, because of course that's only, you know, half the scenarios, isn't it? You know, 50% of people are going to be a natural move forward in that sort of role. Mm. It's probably 50% of people that, that have some sort of development that needs to happen before they're ready for that role. Mm. Right? So but That's important too though, isn't it? Well, if you don't ask yeah. the question yeah. and you don't get the feedback right? yeah. and then I guess it's up to you then whether you're prepared to go on that journey. Yeah. But the last thing you want, like, and, and speaking it from an employment point of view, I would say every employer should be wanting those conversations to happen. It, none of us like the whole what happens if I have to say no, but if you've got people saying, hey, I believe I want to get to this next step 
And whether that's about salary or responsibility or a combination of the two, you know, having that ability to be able to go, well, actually, I can support you getting there, but this is what you need to embrace, mm. right? And that's part of that journey then. And I guess, you know, that that ability for people to go, well, okay, I can't just expect this to be put on a platter for me. I have to prove myself and demonstrate that value if I want to get that extra. It's going back to those hard choices, you know, whether it's budgeting, whether it's, you know, doing your career progression, it's the same thing. If we use that example, um, if he had have gone to, you know, um, his head teacher or his principal and said, hey, I want to, I want to do this, and they said, actually, we don't see that you're right for that role at the moment. These are the things that you need to change. Well, then he's now got a choice. Mm. He can either go, I'm going to give up my dream of, you know, becoming a head teacher or he can go, right, I've got to change those four things. It's the same with purchasing a house that we discussed before. You know, I want to purchase a house. You go to a mortgage broker. He says, well, you need to remove your credit card. That's got to be gone. Can't be can't be on there at all. Like as in not just reduce the debt but get rid of it, do you know? Um, you need to increase your income by 10 grand a year. Uh, you need to, you know, do this, do this. And, again, you've got a choice. Either you do those things or you decide that the dream of owning a, a home is not for you. Um, it's it's the hard choices that we've got to actually make in life that actually create the movement. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, the challenge we've got right now, so, you know, obviously the time we're doing this podcast, you know, unemployment's really low, mm. right? So, and, um, you know, one of the themes that comes out in the, you know, call it what our ex-RBA person, Mr Lowe, was doing and that sort of thing was almost this theme that was saying, okay, I've got to drive interest rates high enough to create unemployment so that the wage increases stop. Mm. All right. So, so of course, the the, the the interesting thing, you know, okay, in 12 months' time, if I went for a salary increase today, I might get the 10 grand, all right? So, but if I go for the salary increase in 12 months' time, it might be a different environment and I might have to fight harder for it and mm. really ask the questions about what do I need to do to demonstrate that value. So the challenge becomes we can't expect it on a plate, all right, mm. or not always, all right? Mm. So it's, it's got to be that, um, okay, what's fair and reasonable at this point in time? Does, does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. I, I don't think it should be handed to you on a plate. I think people have got to work hard, mm. absolutely, and, and find that and you've got to be the right fit. Also, it's not just, oh, you've been here long enough, here's a, yeah, here's a pay yeah. rise, handed to you on a plate. No, I totally agree. And Training, I don't think development. you would have got that 10 grand if you hadn't have proven yourself. Oh, God, no. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. as in the reason why they didn't come back to you and say, oh, one and a half, yeah. is because they went back and went, no, actually, she's doing that level of work already. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, therefore, let's give her a, a you know, a, re- a remuneration that is equivalent to what she's already doing. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but look, on your point with, you know, Mr Lowe, if he had have realised, uh, Tilly's point, that Thursdays are the problem, <laughs> he could have just stopped all Thursday, uh, you know, conversations with bosses and there'd be no more raises. Oh, that, that's my memo's going out tomorrow. <laughs> I'm working from home on Thursdays now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone's going to walk up to a Thursday and you're going to go, no. <laughs> Don't talk to me. No, talk yeah. tomorrow, please. You have meetings on Wednesdays or Fridays. <laughs> that's right. That's right, exactly. No, it's fair. No. So... Uh, I guess, okay, so what I'm hearing from all of that, Tilly, is that, you know, okay, so you've got to ask the questions, right? You've got to do your research. I think that's a big thing that came out of what you were saying, really. And I'm just 
you know, I, I think it might be a little bit weird for me to say I'm, I'm just a little bit tickled pink by, you know, the comment of saying that you worked out Thursdays. <laughs> like, I just think that's fantastic. Right? Isn't that so, funny? That's right. So, I like uh, the fact that you did your research to make sure that Thursdays <laughs> was the day, you know. Um, you know, and so I guess am I missing any ingredients there in terms of what, you know, that those conversations around career and just being able to get in there that's important? I think definitely um, touched on work hard. Mm. You really got to have that mindset, I suppose, to work hard and be motivated and enjoy what you do. Like I said, I do enjoy what I do. I think you're never going to be in that work hard, motivated mindset if you don't have some kind of enjoyment in it, uh, even if you're not enjoying it right now but you're striving to get here and mm. they can't see that, but striving mm. to get higher Um and you're not there yet and you just you have to get through this to get there. I just work I have a strong work ethic and it motivates me further and you know, I'm proud of myself for things that I've been able to do. So work hard's definitely mm. in there. <laughs> I think if I can touch on this, you're you know, you've you've talked a little bit about being part of a team, you know, and connecting yeah. with whether it's somebody that's, you know, sixty or, you know, five years younger than you or whatever it happens to be. I mean, I heard a great question that um, managers should ask their staff recently, and that is, what are you doing to build your internal network? So, mm. in other words, That's develop great. relationships within the business. So, yeah. because, you know, it's that sense of, you know, if people are going to see that you are a valued part of a team, then, you know, that has to have value to the business, whether mm. it's in a, in a corporate world like, you know, you know, Commonwealth Bank or, you know, at Vision Property and Finance or wherever you go. Um, so, do you, do you see that in, in your workplace as well, those that are sort of trying to build the team and you know possibly there's one or two with that you might go okay they haven't quite been able to connect yet or and they don't see that as important um yeah i definitely agree i, I love that as a management question i think mm. that's great and i love when managers are the one to actually i think everybody should have their own development goals and plans or however you'd like to put it but a manager stepping in mm. is incredible and like asking those questions i think it's very it's motivating. Mm. It's incredible to feel supported by a manager like that and that they're intrigued by that. Um, but definitely I, yeah, I, I have quite a large team. I was in the office with quite a few people and you definitely can pick out people even in past roles and everything that mm. um, I feel like you do get, get there quicker if you do have those networks. And mm. I think let alone financial skills, like if we're talking about the financial world, person like whatever that word is personal <laughs> skills <laughs> is interpersonal skills mm. that's it um is incredible like knowing how to talk to people like i said one of my best friends is like a 60 year old and being able to like engage with all the different people in the office i think um especially maybe if you have leadership in your mind to potentially go to leadership one day having those skills is incredible um and that's also what I've learned, I suppose, in this world, especially when I did the graduate program, um, no matter how busy someone is or how high up the ranks or important they are, everyone is willing to chat with you. And I've like, I was told, you know, you have a grad badge, everyone will talk to you. So I was expecting the day that grad badge dropped off or oh, no one has time for me. Absolutely not. There's so many people that will talk to you, even people that you you don't know and you want to connect with through LinkedIn or something, people always have time to talk to you if, if you are asking those intent 
like you're being intent with what you're asking and mm. why you're using their time. Um, I think building, yeah, your network internally, incredible. Externally, also incredible. Mm. And having those people to look up to, like for your short, medium, long-term goals, absolutely, yeah, mm. very powerful. So, Steve, I'm going to hand over to you because you like this last question. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, Tilly. <laughs> We ask everyone that comes onto the show, what would you tell your 18-year-old self? Now, if we have someone in here who's 50, that's a that's an interesting question to ask. But your 18-year-old self was only what seven years ago. Yeah, not long ago. So what would you what would you tell her? I thank you for preparing this question earlier because <laughs> I did think to think of something good. And what I said um, was trust in divine timing. Yes. I am such in an era that I always have had in my mind um, everything that's meant to be will be, mm-hmm. and I much stronger, much more strongly believe in that now. Um, sometimes it is hard to believe, and, again, it's a privileged perspective, um, but you've got to get into the habit of telling yourself that. And like I said, I, my money kind of became a bit problematic when I was overthinking it and that gives you a little insight into my life about anxiety and going over things a lot. Sometimes you've just got to take it back and trust in the process, trust in the divine timing, and it takes it alleviates a lot of the stress and anxiety in finances as well, but mm. in, in life. So would you just tell her to chill out? Is that what you're saying? Chill out, absolutely. <laughs> I needed to chill out all and the chill time. Out. Yeah, I tell myself to chill out all the time. <laughs> you need to write that up in your mirror. So I actually you, you have a tattoo that says today, so it reminds me to be present. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you had a tattoo that said chill out. I was going to be like, oh, I no. I should, that be the next one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next question we do like to ask people is, if you were going to write a book, what would the title be? And what would it be about? I don't know what the title would be. I'm not creative enough to figure that out yet, but it would definitely be um, helping people with their financial literacy. That's my main goal with being in finance, which is incredible that it aligns with your purpose as well. I just want to help people. There's so many people that just don't understand the very basics. Mm. And I think, like I said, um, money and finances are not your happiness, it, it not it, it isn't, but it can bring you happiness, it can bring you security and stability mm. and joy. So, yeah, financial literacy just at the most foundational level is what I would write about and hope. How about if the title was like, you know, chill out and build wealth? Yeah, done. Mm. Let's write a book. <laughs> We'll have you back in at 27. You'll be like, I'm also an author now. Yeah. <laughs> Add that to the resume. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming and um, talking to us today. I know that Hamish and I have really enjoyed the conversation and, and have really appreciated your um, input and insight into life, the universe and everything. Absolutely. So, yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you both. I've enjoyed my time. <laughs> yeah, great. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us today. And Help My Wealth, Money Rules, Money Rules podcast is all about empowering your financial journey and today we've done that with Matilda Barris I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as Hamish and I have and we'll see you next time on our next podcast and thank you so much for coming bye see you later the information discussed by the Help My Wealth and the Money Rules Money Rules podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only and is generally nature and it is not advice 
It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. It is aimed to provide a general understanding of each topic and should not be relied upon to make an investment or financial decision. It is strongly suggested that you seek professional advice regarding your own individual circumstances before making a financial decision. Help My Wealth and the hosts of the Money Rules and Money Rules podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. In the spirit of reconciliation, Help My Wealth and the Money Rules or Money Rules podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to past, present and emerging elders. We extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.